thank you guys. I love the word of the song we sang, the words of the song we sang. Unto the grave, what shall we sing? Christ he lives, Christ he lives. Aren't you glad we have something to say to the grave? To our full and final enemy, uh, that which uh, leaves um, no man unconquered until we pronounce out the, the truth that Jesus is alive. Alive again and alive forever. We don't say to that grave, we don't say to our sin, uh, I'm good. We don't say to our, our, our sin, I'm worthy. We don't say to the, the, the grave, uh, I'm special. We say, Christ lives because we are men and women of weak flesh. We are those who, as Trey mentioned, have got to say, listen, I'm prone to wander. Lord, I feel it. I'm prone to leave even the God I love. You take my heart and seal it. Seal it for thy courts above. Uh, let your goodness hold me like a, a fetter, like a, a tether. Tether me to you, Lord, because you are the one who lives. We have victory through Christ and Christ alone on this good morning. I hope you felt that here today. I hope you've been able to express it out loud. I hope you're able to say to whatever you came in here facing, sadness, sorrow, loss, sin, or maybe just complacency, here I am again. Here I am in the same spot again. What's going to shake me loose from this complacency? Maybe you could speak to yourself this morning. Christ is alive and there's power in that we're going to turn our eyes this morning to the letter to Timothy, the book of Second Timothy, chapter three. If you have a Bible, go ahead and turn there with me, if you will. <clears throat> Timothy is in the New Testament. It's a letter from the Apostle Paul, a senior to Timothy, someone older and longer in ministry, someone who um, is uh, wanting to speak out and reach into the. The life of this young man uh, who has uh, begun to pastor a church and is facing all that comes with that. So the letters to Timothy are words of advice. They're very personal in, in how they feel when we read them. Uh, they're very fatherly and, and pastoral, uh, very wise and advice-giving. And the reason we're looking at Timothy today is because we're starting a new series uh, called The Bible. What do we know about God's Word? This is a series that was born out of um, a, time, a time of planning, a time of uh, reflection in January, uh, and um, just a burden that the Lord kind of gave to me, uh, that we need to be people of the Word, that God has given us a book, a revelation of Himself, and we ought to be people who are anchored and who are deep in that. When we launch out uh, into the world Sunday after Sunday, we need to be people who have the power and the confidence, not in ourselves, but in the Word of God. As we launch our children out into the world, as we send them on to school and to college and to marriage and to the workforce, they don't need merely fond memories of the fellowship and the people, although I praise God that they do have those. They need an anchor point in the Word of God. It is the Word of God that the Spirit of God uses to speak to our spirits and to change us and to strengthen us. When we're facing hardship and temptation, 
when we're challenged in our faith, we need to go know what the Lord has said. Not what I've said, not what anybody else has said. Out of this came uh, a few things. It came our uh, legacy worship nights where we're gathering together twice a year in the p.m. Uh, to bring you and to invite our children here to hear and be familiar with some of the legacy worship songs of our faith uh, that just encapsulate those truths. That, that at any moment, uh, we could be going along and our kids could be facing something and, and they can pull up immortal, invisible, God only wise, in light and inaccessible, hid from our eyes, our shield and defender, the ancient of days, pavilioned in splendor and girded with praise. That they can pull up the everlasting arms. That they can remember that we're standing on the, the promises of Christ our King. Out of this came the new, uh, the new little verse that we're doing that Kevin is leading for us. Uh, to plant these words in our hearts that we might not sin against God. That these nuggets of truth about God and salvation would be not only uh, stuck in our Bibles, but they would be hidden in our hearts for us and for our children, for our mission, for this church's purpose. And also in January, I'm going to ask you to go with me through um, a year-long church-wide uh, Bible reading plan. In this first year, we're going to uh, go through the Old Testament together in a year. It's a great plan. I think you're going to love it. Uh, and the next year after that, we'll do the New Testament uh, together. God's Word is special, uh, and it has to be what leads us. And so we're going to turn to a series about God's Word, what we know about it, what is true about God's Word. Why is it sufficient? Why is it powerful? Timothy, of course, is written by the Apostle Paul into a setting of great opposition. People are falling away from the true faith. False teachers are coming in and preaching a false doctrine. People are wanting to believe uh, untrue things about their religion, about Christianity. And, and Timothy is facing all of this. And so Paul writes into this to give him confidence, determination, and the, and the uh, strength to move forward. And one of the centerpieces, why, Timothy, can you have confidence? Why, Timothy, can you do it? Why should you push in to all of this opposition, the hurt and the heartache that is against you? And one of the main centerpieces of that is because God's word is true. It's worth it. The strength on which we stand is not an empty strength. It's not going to give way. It is real. It is actual. And Paul takes a moment to describe this to this young pastor, Timothy. And so let's read together 2 Timothy chapter 3. We will begin in verse 12 and go on down uh, to chapter 4, verse 5, just so we get a sense of the, the setting and the context. But our sermon will be from verses 16 and 17 today. And these words will be on the screen if you don't have your Bible, and if you don't have a Bible in your life, we don't want anyone leaving here today without a good, reliable copy of God's Word, and we have those for you on the table in the back. Uh, you take one if you need one at no cost to you, just to give from our heart to yours. 2 Timothy chapter 3, beginning at verse 12. Indeed, certainly, indeed means certainly. I mean, without question, indeed, all who desire to live a godly life 
in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. That ought to give us a sense of what is normal or normative for believers. Uh, It is normal throughout history that those who really desire to live in godliness are going to face opposition. When it comes, let us not think that something is wrong or that we should be surprised or that we're in error some way. Uh, this This is how things go. Indeed, all who desire to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted, while evil people and imposters will go on from bad to worse, deceiving and being deceived. But as for you, this is an emphasis, that all may be true. Everybody else may be, but as for you, Timothy, as for us, people of God, Continue in what you have learned and have firmly believed, knowing from whom you learned it, and how from childhood you have been acquainted with the sacred writings, which are able to make you wise unto salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. Verse 16, all Scripture, capital S, all Scripture is breathed out by God. For God breathed, the word there literally is a compound word in the original language that means the breath of God. Uh, I've got it here. Let's see if I can pronounce it. Theonoustos. Theo, God. Theology, right? Theophany. Theo is of God. Noustos, like a pneumatic drill or like pneumonia. (sighs) Has to do with our lungs, with our breath. Is God, Theo? breathed. That's what, that's the character and the nature of the word of God. Your Bible may say is inspired by God or is given by inspiration of God. That really does not capture the fullness of what is being said here. That is to take a modern word and to apply it to what God breathed may mean, but God breathed means God breathed. All scripture is breathed out by God and is profitable for teaching for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness, that the man of God or woman, but that the person, the man of God, may be complete equipped for every good work. I charge you, chapter 4, in the presence of God and of Christ Jesus, who is to judge the living and the dead, and by his appearing and his kingdom, preach the word. Be ready in season and out of season, Reprove, rebuke, and exhort with complete patience and teaching. For the time is coming when people will not endure sound teaching. But having itching ears, they will accumulate for themselves teachers to suit their own passions. The time is coming, and I think is perhaps now here when this is the case. In many settings, in many places, we find someone to say what we want them to say. We can try to trick ourselves into God's word saying what we want it to communicate to us. His holiness being an idea of our holiness. Paul warns against this. This is the time is coming. You preach what? The word. The word of God. Be ready in season and out of season. There's times when it'll be easy to preach God's word and when it'll be hard. When you want to, when you won't want to, you preach God's word. They won't endure sound teaching, but having itching ears, they will accumulate for themselves teachers to suit their own passions. Verse 4, and will turn away from listening to the truth and wander off into myths. As for you, 
Always be sober-minded. Endure suffering. Do the work of an evangelist. Fulfill your ministry. It doesn't sound like pleasant times, does it? In, in that setting, <clears throat> in that scenario, preach the word. In that setting, in that scenario, the word of God is still God breathed. You're enduring suffering. He points the finger, endure it, but preach the word. God's word is supreme in this setting. And we learn in this word of encouragement a few things about God's word. What is it about God's word, about scripture, about the Holy Bible? What is it that enables us to face the journey, whatever it brings? I see three things that I want to share with you today. There's merely much more, but um, we're going to go over three for the sake of time and for the sake of what we're doing here. First, I think we see that God's word is a trusted word. God's word is a trusted word. The word here used is very powerful and very specific, that, that God breathed out Scripture. This is a powerful choice that the Holy Spirit made to communicate the character of the Word of God. It wasn't influenced by God. Uh, it, it wasn't set, set, set on the road by God. Uh, it, it was breathed out by God. Theonoustos. It is the very Word of God. We in our Southern Baptist Convention and our church have adopted the Baptist faith and message as our statement of faith. And here's what that says about God's Word. The Holy Bible is God's revelation of himself to man. It is a perfect treasure of divine instruction. It has God for its author, salvation for its end, and truth without any mixture of error for its matter. Therefore, all Scripture is totally true and trustworthy. The Bible will remain to the end of the world the true center of Christian union and the supreme standard by which all human conduct, creeds, and religious opinions should be tried. Everything is tested against the Word of God. And we have some big words uh, that we have used to describe that. The Bible is authoritative. That means there's no higher superseding standard than the Bible. Here's what... The Bible says in Isaiah 14, 27, the words of God, the Lord of hosts has sworn, as I have planned, so shall it be. As I have purposed, so shall it stand. For the Lord of hosts has purposed, and who will annul it? His hand is stretched out, and who will turn it back? There is no higher standard. No, God doesn't say something or enact something that gets overturned by some Supreme Court or other higher authority, the Word of God is authoritative. How do we know? Because it was spoken by whom? By God. And it matters who says something, doesn't it? When I was uh, working midnight shift many years ago for our sheriff's office in our hometown, another officer and I were sent way up north in the county to a lady who lived alone, and they called the police, called 911 actually, because there was a possum on her carport, under her carport. And it was running back and forth, and <clears throat> she was scared. The dog was barking, and we got there, and she came outside, and she saw that it was a, it was a possum there. And, and she said, oh, thank goodness, it's just a possum, but please don't let any harm come to it. And that possum was running back and forth along the fence line, and her dog was on the other side of the fence, just ah, fear, ferocious, trying to get the the possum, and my friend, the other officer, Stephen Breadwell, from Meigs County, country boy, 
he had the accent and everything, the boots, everything to go with it. Uh, he said, you know, if you pick them up by the tail, they can't bite you. I said, well, Stephen, I'm going to leave this to you. You know, you know, you seem to know about them. And so he got over there and picked up that possum by the tail and held it there so proud. Right at that moment, that possum swung up and <coughs> latched him right on the, the wrist. He dropped the possum. The, the dog took the chance to reach under the fence and drag it through, end its sweet little possum life, and bury it vertically in the ground up to its neck. There we were, heroes, right? <laughs> this poor lady didn't want anything to, any harm to come to this poor little creature, and, and that's what we did. Uh, I learned something from that. Here's what I learned. Don't listen to Breadwell, right? <laughs> Don't listen to Stephen when it comes to these matters. It matters who's speaking. The credibility, the authority, the, the, the trustworthiness, it matters who says so. And in the case of God's word, who, by whom is it breathed out? By none other than God. Who supersedes that? No one. The Bible is authoritative. We say the Bible is true. And we use some big words to say it is infallible. That's one of our words. That means in its messages, in its morality, it is flawless. In the themes it communicates, in the, the morals it, it, it transmits, it, it, it's, in fa it's flawless. But also it is inerrant. That is to say there is nothing in error in the Bible by any standards. It is infallible. It is inerrant. It is totally inspired. We, we call it verbal, plenary inspiration. That means the words of Scripture are the words of God. And they are there because under inspiration of the Holy Spirit, he inspired men to write those words. And that God could have chosen other words if he wanted to. The words are inspired. The order of the words is inspired. The sequence of the sentences and the expressions is inspired. It is totally inspired by God. It is sufficient, we say. Nothing is left out of God's word. We're talking about God. He could have said more if he wanted to. And if he did not, it's not because the word of God is lacking. It is exactly as God intended it to be. It is sufficient. And lastly, it is timeless. When are we to preach the word? In season and out of season. When men will hear it and tolerate it and when they won't. When, when, they, when they sit here and they respond to it and change happens or when they hold out their hand in rejection of it, God's word is timeless, it is unchanging, and it is true you see the voice that lovingly comes to us in the pages of scripture is none other than the voice of the one true and living god the word of god is not only true and trustworthy it is our standard for what truth and trust are to be it is that thing against which we measure all other things and it is that that which is our touchstone for anything that purports to be true and trustworthy we test it against god's word God's worth, word is worth building and staking your life upon. This is a trusted word. It is a trusted word. But secondly, this is a powerful word. I love this about this text. God's word does something. I mean, it takes action here. It is, the Bible says, profitable. It, it produces work. It delivers outcomes in our lives. Something we're not used to words doing, right? Words don't really have this effect normally. Uh, Olivia and I were um, 
driving down the road the other day, and sometimes, where is she? I take these moments to be fatherly, and uh, sometimes I get some eye rolls in return. Uh, but we were sitting in a traffic light, and I said, you know, you're going to be driving soon. And I want you to remember, when your light turns green, wait just a second. Just wait. And look both ways in case somebody comes through the intersection. I said, why do I say that? She rolled her eyes and said, I don't know, Dad. You know, like they sometimes do. And I said, because that red light can't stop anybody. She said, yes, it can. You, you get a ticket if you, if you run the red light. I said, but what power does the light have? I mean, that's just a light. That's just, that's just radiance happening there. If someone's looking on their cell phone and doesn't see it, or if someone determines that they're going to go through it, that, that, that their hurry is more important than your hurry, or somebody's running from the police, and, and, they, and they're going to What barricade, what power does that light have to stop them from plowing through that intersection? It has no power whatsoever. Words are often are the same way. Words are just ink on a paper. But the Word of God is different than that, isn't it? The Word of God has power. It accomplishes something. Listen to Isaiah 57. The Lord says this, so shall my word be that goes out from my mouth. It shall not return to me empty or void, but it shall accomplish that which I purpose and shall succeed in the thing for which I send it. Romans chapter 1, you'll be familiar with this. For I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God to salvation for those who believe. What's the power of God to salvation? The gospel, the message of Jesus Christ, it is is the power of God for salvation to anyone who believes. You remember the first part of, of this section of Scripture. It reminds us that, that Timothy, from childhood, has been acquainted with the sacred writings. What? Which are able. They are able to make you wise for what? Salvation through Jesus Christ. The word of God here, it does something in our lives it is a powerful word this is not a magazine I mean, this is not a, a, a newspaper these words are given by God and they have power for you and me specifically look here they're profitable they return a profit if you plant them in your life they bring about a, a dividend a return for teaching to teach one another for correction to, to, to correct our ways to say to, to, to say to our soul as we look at this, wow, I thought I, was, uh, I thought I was on the right road, but look, there's a correction here. God speaks through this. For reproof, that's a little stronger than correction, isn't it? That's a little smack that God sometimes gives us. You ever been reading his word, and all of a sudden there's just conviction about something you said last week, a joke you told, or the way you talked to a family member? All of a sudden that, what you were talking about in Sunday school right before the bell rang, that last comment you said about a dear brother or a dear sister, all of a sudden you're, you're in God's Word and the Holy Spirit of God, pff, reproof. He, 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 he chastises us. He does so through His Word. It's a word of reproof, but also it's a word for training in what? In righteousness. In, in good conduct in godly examplehood. It, 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 we're trained by the word of God. It is a profitable 
word. What does this mean for us? It means this. Those who exclude God's word from their lives are stunting God's power for their lives. Did you hear me? Those who uh, exclude God's word from our lives are stunting God's power for our lives. Do you want power and godliness to be growing in your life? Do you want godly wisdom and perspective to be shaping your life? Do you want patience and peace for your life? Do you want righteousness and discernment? Uh, do Do you want a growing enlistment and effectiveness in the work of God? Then get into the Word of God. We cannot, friends, constantly put this aside until it's nothing but a byword in our lives and then say, where is God's victory for me? We cannot put this aside constantly and then when something earth-shaking comes, when the papers are served upon you at your office, when the hospital calls you and said, hey, I know your appointment was two weeks from now, can you make it in this afternoon? We cannot constantly set God's word aside and then not understand why we're not ready for these things in our lives. When that witnessing encounter opens up, the door of the gospel is flung open before you, and there's no words. We cannot set the word of God aside. It is the power. It is the prophet. It is able to teach, uh, to, to help us re- with reproof, for correction, for training in righteousness. They are the words of God, the wisdom that leads to salvation. It is the power of God for all who believe uh, to salvation. This is God's word for us. How could we set that aside? There is no substitute and there is no close second for the word of God. You know, even a weekly church service, praise God. And praise God that the word is our centerpiece. That's not a substitute for you going deep into God's word. Not perfectly, not perfectly. But how's your effort? How's your life? This is a powerful word. But lastly, we see here that this is a complete word. It's a complete word. Verse 17. God's word is here that the man of God or the woman of God, that we may be complete and equipped for every good work. Here's what this means. It means the ones whose life is is full of God's word is completely outfitted, is fully furnished, you might say, for the opportunities that God has appointed for us, for opportunities for worship. You come here today, you're in God's word, you're going to be ready to worship. You come here today and and, and, and you you see that that God has a a different way for you to walk or to serve or uh, to obey or to tell or to show of himself. Uh, God's word is that which outfits us for that and the word here is to be complete or to, to be furnished simply it's, it's like a, a soldier he's got all his tools right he's got or you might think of a house it's, it's fully furnished it's got everything there right in the place it's supposed to be i'm going to ask you a question how many opportunities do we miss or avoid because we're not fully outfitted with god's word we're not fully furnished we're not ready. And God has put something and appointed something for our life. And there we are, empty-handed, unequipped, no furnishings for that mission. In my house, you, some of you guys drive by our backyard sometimes. We have this little kiddie pool. 
You might have seen it. It's kind of redneck. It's a, it's a little thing we've got. But listen, we swim in it, okay? And, uh, and you know, it's touchy when you live close to the church and people are going to drive through and, and you want to be swimming in your pool, your little pool, and you're the pastor. That's kind of hard, okay? And so usually I wait till nighttime like Nicodemus, right? I sneak out. <laughs> I sneak out to the pool. I'd look out, nobody, no headlights in the parking lot, nobody's trying to spy on me, and so I go out there and get in the pool and swim around. Um, I love it. Then when it's time to go back in, I raise my head up over the side, <laughs> make sure none of y'all are driving through, and I run back up to the porch, and the other day on a Saturday, I decided to do this during the daytime. And I did it, I went out there and swam, rub-a-dub-dub, and all the things uh, that you do, and just loved it, got out of the pool, nobody's around, went up to the porch, was drying off, and a car came into the parking lot. And they saw me, and they slammed on their brakes. They slowed down right by the little uh, barn over here. And I ran inside. Uh, I don't know who it was, don't know what car it was, but they wanted to say hi. And listen, I want to say hi. But listen, I ain't saying hi in my bathing suit, all right? That's as much for me as it is for you, I promise. <clears throat> I love you, but I went inside that day, right? Why is that? I wasn't in a condition to, to talk to you, right? You, there's some parts of your pastor you just won't want to know, you know what I mean? <clears throat> no shirt, no shoes, all that goes with that. The, Lord of, the Word of God is an equipping word. We wander out into, into the field of our faith. And all of a sudden, there we are called upon. Maybe just to praise God. I'm not saying it's going to the mission field necessarily. Maybe just to praise God in a moment. To recognize his wonder. And he wants to speak into your heart. But you're not dressed for it. You're not equipped for that. The Lord lands on deaf ears because your heart's not ready. Maybe it is a battle in your life that you need to wage war against that sin. Stop playing games and go to war with it. Let's handle this for our family's sake. Let's lead. Let's, let's do. God's church has a need or a calling. And listen, uh, it's put on you. And someone says, you know, would you, could you, have you ever thought about, you're, like, you're totally unprepared. You're naked. You're out there bare and exposed. And you don't have any of the tools, any of the furnishings, nothing to draw and do business with because you're naked of the word of God. It's a complete word. It's an equipping word. The life of faith described in, in Timothy is a hard life. It is impossible to do on our own. It is impossible to face with mere human tools. It is impossible to live with just what the world gives to us. Do you want to know the power and the purpose of God? Do you want to experience his victories through your life? It will not happen without us being full of God's word. And we'll wander through these years and decades and this whole generation of our life and get to the end and say, where was the victory? Where was that power? 
It was in the word of God. And time is passing by. And God is calling. I brought today a, a Bible that I have on my shelf in the office. This is my grandmother's Bible. I'm a Jean is her name. And uh, I, came, I came upon this or somehow it came into my possession. Um, after she died, this was given to her in September 1968. And I'd often see her sitting in her chair <clears throat> reading this Bible in her living room on Club Drive in Chattanooga under a gigantic um, water oak tree. Anyway, in this Bible, there are stickers and little writings. You can see her words written in red there. Highlights, things that are stuck in here, lots of little things. Prayer, prayer for Wesley David Lewis. Wesley had an illness, a little boy. The church was praying for them. Promises of God here, things that were important to her. In some places in Peter, she's written next to it a citation in James. Somehow in her mind, as she read Peter, uh, it, it connected to something. She wrote there a, a cross-reference for her to remember and to look back at. Here's a map of, of uh, Bible history. I could go on. All of this is in here. The Ten Commandments, the plan of salvation, things that she accumulated. But mostly her own little notes that are treasure to me. It's what's important to her. She's not here anymore, right? But I can look in here and I can see something of her. This comparison is not exact because Jesus lives, amen? amen. Jesus is not dead. He is not gone. He's coming back. But God has left us with a book. He's given us something of himself. It ought to be treasured by us. If this biomagene is treasure, uh, such a treasure to me, if you could find an old birthday card from your dad who's not with us anymore, if you could read, what a treasure that would be. If you could hear one more time from that grandfather, sit around outside on the porch with the fans going and listen just for a minute, wouldn't you just take that in? How much more so with the God of our salvation who has called us a, a son and a daughter and has rendered himself through Christ our Father. We have access to his throne. Listen, if the affection that we shout about in this place is true, if the adoration that we sing is real, if the relationship with you and God is authentic, if the salvation has truly been realized, then what he left us ought to be a part of our lives. And it's okay to say ought to in here. This is, this is how it should be. The word of God ought to be a part of our lives. If you're here today and you know, you wouldn't say so, I wouldn't want you to. But you know, hey, I don't, this is not a part of me. I know it should be. I know it ought to be. Everybody says so. But it's not. I hope this morning you'll hear, hear the Lord calling. Hear him calling you back to his word today. And listen, when you leave here in a moment, don't wait until tomorrow to do something about it. Let me pray for us.
just a moment, I'd like to offer you a chance to respond. <clears throat> this may be a hard day to respond. <clears throat> you might be embarrassed. You might not want other people to speculate about why you've come. But listen, these matters are beyond that. This is Jesus we're talking about. This is eternity. This is victory and power. If you need to come, don't you let pride, embarrassment, or anything like that stop you from making your way to the front. Of course, you can pray to God right where you're at, and I support that. Don't let this moment pass by. If you've got to say something to the Lord, say it to him. What a good and giving father he is that if you ask him, Lord, I have found this difficult in my life to go to your word. I don't know why, God, and I don't know what it means for my relationship with you. Help me back to it, God. He's not going to leave you flat. Why don't you pray to him this morning? Let him help you with those steps back to his word and his goodness. This morning, if you'd like to come for another reason I have not mentioned, we would be happy and joyful to receive you uh, into this fellowship, to receive you into the family of God through salvation in Jesus Christ. He's the only way. I'll stand here and help you. Nobody's going to embarrass you. We'll walk with you. If you need to come for church membership. We would celebrate that this morning. We know what to do. We're not a perfect church, but God's given us a mission. and We need your help. He's called you here. Why don't you make it official? The waters of baptism will be stirred here in just a few weeks. Two weeks, actually. We'll be baptizing. Maybe it's time for you to go to those waters and know what that's like. Heavenly Father, we thank you today for the Word of God and for trusting it to us. I pray uh, that your Word will have held high the Lord Jesus today, spoken the truth about you. Lord, it will call people to fuller patterns of obedience and victory through Jesus. In his name we pray. Amen. Let's stand and sing as we do. I invite you to respond.